This message was presented at the GYC 2014 conference at the Cross in Phoenix, Arizona. For other resources like this, visit us online at www.gycweb.org. Good morning, everyone. It's good to see you all here. I'm excited that you've decided to come and learn more about Muslims, about Islam, and um, just wanted to let you know that uh, it's been a privilege being able to share with you what God has put upon my heart and on Bill's heart as well. And again, if you have any questions about anything or if you would like the presentations, um, we would be more than happy to give these to you. Because of time constraints, we are not able to really fully go in depth into some of the subjects. And so um, you would it would be a lot easier, obviously, for us to just give you the presentations, give you some of the materials, and you can go from there. Uh, if you'll notice that on your seats, I, I printed out a little um, printout, and that is how to, how to witness to Muslims and using the Quran. So um, hopefully you find that helpful. There's a lot more uh, information and a lot more things that you can get and a lot more resources. And there's... Uh, I learned a lot of this stuff from, well, I did a lot of research, but there's also someone in particular who I learned a lot of this resources from, and he shared his testimony at GYC. I believe it was in Baltimore that he shared his, his testimony, and his name is Sam Bonello. He is in Australia currently, but he has an email, and he told me to give you his email in case you have questions. And he said he will give you all the material you want uh, regarding this for free as long as you pay for postage. So if you pay for postage, he'll give this to you. He produced a lot of these materials. He dedicated his life to learning more about Islam. Um, and his email is sam, sam, <clears throat> sam, period, Bonello, B as in boy, O, N as in Nicole, E, L, L, O, Sam, period, Bonello, B-O-N-E-L-L-O, at gmail.com. He is the best person that I know of in regards to making presentations for Muslims, and I've learned a great deal from him. And so if you would like more printouts, that you, what you have, and there's even more resources. There's, there's like, um, I think he produced something that has pages and pages and pages of how you can use the Quran or how the Quran talks about Jesus. And it's really fascinating. Uh, if you'd like those things, he'd be more than happy to give his materials. They produced handouts. They produced a number of things. He had, his ministry used to be based in Michigan, and then God brought him back to his country in Australia. So he's the best person that I know of in regards to that. Um, I have to leave a couple minutes early because I have to be on stage right after this to talk about the outreach, which we're all going to do, amen? And so I'm going to be ending this a couple minutes early, but my good friend Jason Carlson, he'll be coming up and talking to you about how you can do GLOW and also how you can do a Youth Rush as well, and that is how you can canvas. And um, many of you, maybe you saw the video yesterday, saw the video of all the Cole Porters and the pre-GYC. Well, for those of you who want to do that more, Jason will be coming up at the end and he'll be talking about that, Okay. All right. Well, we're going to be getting right into it. Oh, I need to get my PowerPoint set up. 
think I saw my good friend Giselle. Giselle, did you walk in? All right, Giselle. Giselle, can you grab um, a great controversy from up in the booth area? Derek, uh, Jason, did you get your other bag? Did you get your other canvassing bag back? Okay, well, uh, there should be a, a canvassing bag at the Souls booth. If you can grab a great controversy, Steps to Christ, or you can grab the canvassing bag. Um, at the very end, I want to also share with you some things that we've done regarding the canvassing work and how we have... Um, designed a canvas. Actually, Sam helped design this canvas, how to canvas uh, Muslims in regards to our books. And, and they've been really helpful. I've, we've canvassed Muslims, and they've gotten, gotten our publications. I'm going to explain to you those things in a moment. Can you all hear me okay? All right. Let's go ahead and start with a word of prayer. Father in heaven, I come before you, an unworthy vessel, trying to share the little that I know. There is a great multitude of people out there, our friends, the Muslims, and I don't have the slightest clue how we're going to reach 1.5 billion of them. But you do. You care for them. You love them. You set them apart as a special nation, as children under Abraham. And so I pray that as we learn more, that this morning we would have a greater burden for this special people group, and that there would be missionaries, and that there would be people here, or at the very minimum, we would know how to say certain things that would make them search the scriptures. Pray this in Jesus' name, amen. My mother brought me to the Philippines as a missionary when I was a kid. She did some missionary work there, and there's a really small island. It's closer to Malaysia. It's closer to Indonesia than it is to the Philippines. If you look at the bottom left, it's that little red square. That little red square is known as Mapundi Tawi Tawi. And in that area, that's where they train the extreme version of Muslims. By the way, Islam is the second largest religious group in the Philippines. You have Catholicism with about 90%. Then you have um, Muslims. And they um, are, are trained to be more of the extreme Muslims, the very, you know, the ones who you see flying planes into the World Trade Center. They were the ones who. Uh, they're trained in that region, in that lower southern, er southern area of the Philippines. And I, I zoomed in on a map to see where that island is. See that little tiny island on the left? That's the small little island that my mother brought me to. It's real primitive there, and there's not really much civilization. There's no electricity. There's no running water, no flushing toilets. There's nothing like that. And my mom and her friends, this is before she took me there, they started a clinic, and the clinic looked like this. They made it out of brick and mortar. My mother is a, she has her doctorate and teaches at Loma Linda University, but she had a desire to, to start a clinic. So her friends, a few of them, they started a clinic in this remote area in the Philippines, 
And one particular morning, like two or three in the morning, I, my mother tells me distinctly that she remembered hearing horses galloping. Horses galloping. And, you know, it's a very distinctive sound hearing the, the, gal, the horses gallop. She didn't get up, but she remembered just thinking, wow, there sounds like to be a lot of horses. Well, her colleagues got up. The other med school students got up, and they looked outside. And on the second floor, they looked out. There was a second floor area, and they looked out, and they saw horses surrounding the clinic. Didn't think anything of it. Woke up the next day, and of course, it was very hard for them to make friends because they're Muslim, and my mom and her friends are Christian. And so they wanted nothing to do with the Christians. One night, one of the villagers, since they don't have electricity, they have a, like a beer bottle, and they put kerosene inside the beer bottle. Then they put a, a rag inside, and they light that. And that's their lamp. Well, this beer bottle, full of kerosene, fell from the bedroom drawer or from the, you know, from the, wherever it was placed, from the table, and it spilled all over a young girl, she was seven years old. She had, her body was 70% burned, first degree burns, and they didn't know what to do. She was going to die. Well, now the villagers are desperate, and they brought her to my mother's clinic, and they said, heal her. Now, those of you who are medical professionals here, if you're out there in the middle of nowhere, you have nothing, not even IVs, and you're given a young seven-year-old girl, burned, or her body being burned 70%, and the Muslims go to you and say, okay, your God's real, heal her, what would you do? My mom and her friends were obviously desperate, they had nothing. They put banana leaves on her. They put breast milk on her. They put whatever they could find on her. And they prayed. Long story short, a week, two weeks later, she began to heal. And she made a full recovery. And today, you could, you could, there's hardly any scars uh, to, even, uh, to show of that horrific event. The villagers came to my mom and her friends and said, we have a confession. We were going to kill you all. We had machetes, and we came to your clinic to kill all of you. But we couldn't get through the front door because there were horses. And we waited and waited, but these horses surrounded you, your clinic. You know what the funny part about that story? There are no horses on that island. So we look back on that. My mother looks back on that. She brought me to the island. She brought me to the very place that this happened. And I was seven years old when I first went here to this small remote island. And it gave me a burden and a love for these people. And the, the island is 100% Muslim. But now they've started an Adventist school. And because it's a private school, all of these Muslims are attending. They're singing, what a friend we have in Jesus. They're singing, I have decided to follow Jesus. Um, and they're accepting Jesus. And we've had a number of baptisms and a number of, of people who have ex since become Adventists. And now we've changed it from instead of being 100% Muslim, it's like 99% Muslim. So praise God. <laughs> well, 
that is an introduction into, as a kid, the passion and, and the first exposure I had to Muslims. They were, they were very nice. I ended up playing with them. And it was so remote that, you know, they made up a, a basketball court. And it was a primitive basketball court. And, and we, had a, we had one ball. And this one ball, you played soccer with it. You played basketball with it. You played every sport with it. And if you didn't have a ball, you used coconuts. So that was the type of experience I had as a kid. And I wanted to lo- learn more about Islam. So I'm going to share with you some of the things I've learned about Islam. First off, Islam, the name Islam means one who submits. One who submits. The founder of Islam is Muhammad. There are 1.5 billion Muslims in the world today. Muslims and Christianity are close in numbers. They say there's about 1.6 billion Christians. That's including Catholicism and Protestants. Christianity and evangelicals and every single sect. There's 1.6 billion Christians and there's 1.5 billion Muslims, but Muslims are growing at a faster rate. So Muslims are probably going to be the number one religion in the next 10 years. Allah is God. When they say Allah, that refers to God. And their inspired writings uh, include the Quran, Sunnah, and the Old Testament. Of course, of all, of all their inspired writings, the one that they look to as the highest authority is the Quran, which we're going to be looking at in a little bit. And they believe in five major pillars, five major pillars. And we're going to go over those five major pillars. Um, by the way, if you see someone who is Middle Eastern, 99% chance they're Muslim. And so I don't know if any of you ever get picked up or shuttled from airports. Usually a lot of the drivers from airport hotels are Muslim. And, uh, or if you go to the East Coast, a lot of, there's a lot of Muslims, especially there. A lot, of, uh, more, a lot of people from the Middle East seem to be more on the East Coast. And the moment I know that they are from the Middle East, I make friends off of their food, obviously. I tell them how much I love their food. Um, but I also ask them questions. And you can ask them questions such as, the, um, can you let me know about the five pillars? I'm really interested in that. And have you made your hajj yet? Have you made your pilgrimage? And so we're going to be talking about some of the key words and some of the things that you can talk to them about. Let's talk a little bit about the Quran. The Quran took over 23 years of, it's 23 years of dictation. There are 114 chapters, and the, 100, and the chapters are called surahs, S-U-R-A-S. And the topics of the Quran include ethics, history, law, and theology. And the Quran is the size of the New Testament. So it's about one-third the size of the Bible. So it's the New Testament. Many memorize the Quran in Arabic. Even if you don't speak Arabic, you still memorize the Quran in Arabic. And it reads back to front. So you're reading from the back to the front. And the Quran is is mostly sang. The recitations are singing. Any of you have ever been to a mostly Muslim country in here? Okay, so many of you have. Um, Just last year, my wife and I at this time, we went to Indonesia, which I don't know if you know, Indonesia has the most Muslims in the world. Not the Middle East, it's not a country in the Middle East. Indonesia has the most uh, Muslims in the world. And they wake up very early in the morning, about 5 in the morning, and you'll hear them singing. 
And for the first, if you are not familiar with it, it could be kind of scary. It's kind of a culture shock. It's loud. It's on a loudspeaker, and it's, you know, it almost sounds like it's blaring in your ear. Um, it happened to us in India as well. There's a lot of, there's a lot of Muslims in India. This is a picture of the Quran. It's a very beautiful book, and this is a picture of the writings. It's a very beautiful book. The five pillars, these are the five pillars. So Muslims believe that they were born perfect. So Muslims believe they're born perfect. Christianity is the only religion where we believe that we start from the bottom, start as sinners. All the other religions they believe that you're born perfect, but because of forgetfulness, because of sin, or because of uh, ignorance, you need a religion, or you need God. That's kind of the belief. <clears throat> so here are the five pillars. The first pillar is to bear witness that there is one God, Allah, and Muhammad is his prophet. So that's the first pillar of Muslim. If you're going to be a convert to Muslim, you need to know the five pillars. Number two, you're going to pray five times a day facing Mecca. And it's really funny, if you go to the app store, if you type in Islam or if you type in Mecca, did you know they have um, apps now? You can download these apps that have a, uh, a compass that show you exactly where Mecca is. So you can pray to Mecca, you just follow what your phone says, you just pray to, in that direction, and that's where Mecca is. So uh, you pray five times a day facing Mecca. Number three... You give to the poor. So this is the third pillar of Islam. You're going to give to the poor. Number four, you're going to fast during the month of Ramadan. And Ramadan is usually in June. Usually it's at the end of May to the end of June or the beginning of June to the end of, uh, to the first part of July. So typically end of May to the beginning of July, somewhere in between that is Ramadan. And when I say fast, they fast during the daylight hours. So you're not allowed to eat during the daylight hours. After sundown, you can eat. Now, if you happen to like Middle Eastern food, if you go to a restaurant during the time of Ramadan, there are usually, usually specials. You know, it's Ramadan. So I'm just giving you a tip here for those of you who are foodies. If you find a Middle Eastern restaurant and it's during Ramadan, you can go there after sundown. They, they have like a a special Ramadan buffet special, because they know you've been fasting all day, and so for $7.99, you can have all-you-can-eat Middle Eastern food. So I thought I'd give that plug for them. And the last pillar is that you are going to make a pilgrimage to Mecca. One time in your life, it's called a Hajj, H-A-J-J, you're going to make a pilgrimage to Mecca. And so something that I like to ask People, um, when I meet Muslims, hey, have you made your pilgrimage yet? And oh, not yet, but Allah's good. Once I have enough money saved, I'll make my pilgrimage. You know, that's what they say. So that's usually what they tell me. So those are some things that I do whenever I ask them, uh, when, I ask, when I try to make friends. Muslims believe that they're born perfect, but the problem is forgetfulness. Because we're forgetful, um, we need a remedy. And the remedy are the five pillars. So it's not sin that's the root problem, it's forgetfulness. Who are they as a people? So let's go into their characteristics as a people. Muslims refuse to drink alcohol and eat pork. This is good for us as Adventists, right? If you've been coming to these meetings, 
then at the end, I give you an Adventist advantage, right? What is it about our faith that is truly distinctive where we can reach these people? And as we go through who they are as a people, you'll notice that there's a lot of commonalities with Seventh-day Adventism and Islam. Number two, Muslims hold traditional values, traditional family values. Number three, people who prepare for the coming judgment by good works. Do you know they believe in a coming judgment? Number four, people who believe that the Bible has been corrupted. So here's, here's what I find difficult in reaching out to them. They believe that the Bible is corrupted and that the Quran is, is, is uh, superior. Number five, they are people who pattern their lives after Muhammad. <clears throat> now I'm going to go through the three different kinds of Muslims. The first kind of Muslim is the Sunni. The Sunni and the Shia, they're very similar in regards to their beliefs. They're very similar in regards to um, how they, you know, the, the five pillars. They're, very, uh, they're similar in regards to their belief in Muhammad and Allah. But the difference is, if I can use an illustration, do you remember Solomon after, you know, we had King Saul... King David and King Solomon. What happened after King Solomon? Does anyone remember? Yes, the kingdom split. Who were the two kings? Yes, Rehoboam and Jeroboam. Now, who was, does anyone remember who was Solomon's son? Yes, Rehoboam was Solomon's son, right? Okay. Jeroboam was someone who was selected, and then you have Rehoboam. So here you have Rehoboam and Jeroboam. Some followed his son, the bloodline, and then some followed the more capable leader. When it comes to the Sunni, the Sunni, they followed after the death of Muhammad, they followed the most capable leader, who was the best to lead Islam. The Shia, they wanted to follow the bloodline. They believe that you have to follow the bloodline. And so that's why there's this division of who's really the leader. Sunnis, they have their leader. Shia, have, they have their leader. But just like um, Judah and just like Israel, they still believed in the same God. They have the same standards. They believe in the feasts, everything else. Same thing with Islam. Then you have the, the Sufi. The Sufi are the spiritual New Age Muslims. Here are some important phrases or something to consider. Um, an important word in uh, in Islam, this is important when you talk to them. The word jihad, J-I-H-A-D, jihad. Jihad refers to the struggle. And there are four major jihads, four major struggles. The first one is the jihad against self. The second one is the jihad against the tongue. So watch, be careful what you say. The jihad against the hand, against doing something wrong, stealing or hitting someone. Jihad against swords. This is against um, fighting against people. When it comes down, Muslim Islam at its purest form, they're really peaceful people. Just like Adventism at its purest, we should be peaceful people. Now, are there extreme weirdos in Adventism? Unfortunately, there are. I hate to break it to you. If you haven't met any, praise the Lord. Just like in Islam, there are the extremes, but they are not the norm. Somehow we have this, this messed up understanding 
of Muslims and we have, we've conjured up wrong pictures and wrong ideas. Here's some other important phrases that you can tell them. Has anyone ever heard of these before? Okay. Assalamu alaikum. Thank you. Yes, peace be unto you. Alakum. I uh, get this right and somehow I butcher it again. Um, and then, inshallah, if God wills. Assalamu alaikum, peace be unto you. And inshallah, if God wills. And if I have someone in the back, I think I have a GYC volunteer in the back. I don't know what's going on with this mic, so if you can. Is my battery running out? Is that what's going on? Okay, so. Yeah, if you can find someone, that'd be great. Okay, so. Now let's uh, talk a little bit about uh, Muslims. Here's what, what do Americans think of Muslims? Unfortunately, this is what Americans think of Muslims. If we were to ask, what do you think of Muslims? Here's the pictures that conjure up people's minds. They conjure up this, conjure up this. They think of women like this. Now, you know, what's interesting is if you ask Muslims, what do you think of Christians? Now, here we have in America, these horrific pictures about Muslims, but if you were to ask a Muslim, what do they think of Christianity, do you know what they would think of? Let me show you. And I don't know what's going on here, so I'm going to probably use this. What, what should I do here? Am I, is, will this still record? Oh, no. Okay, you can have some. Okay. All right, I'm going to turn that off. Here's what Muslims think of Christians now, okay? Are you ready? So if you ask a Muslim, hey, what, so tell me a little bit about what do you think of Christians? Give me some words, some, some word pictures. What do you think of Christians? That's what they think of as us right here. Playboy, Cosmo magazine, cigarettes. Our women wear skimpy clothes. We go out and get drunk. And guess what? They also think that we go out and kill people as well. This is what they think of Christianity as well. Now, the beautiful thing is Seventh-day Adventists have an advantage. We have a bridge between Muslims and Christianity. How? Well, look at all the things that we have in common. We have food, dietary food laws, no pork. The health laws, no alcohol or harmful substance. We believe in a literal judgment day. Guess what? They believe in a literal judgment day. Strong emphasis in the Old Testament. Strong belief in prophets. Modesty. And we believe in the second coming. We have seven major things that we have in common with Muslims. And I'm going to share with you a few tips on how you can reach them, how you can talk to them. Uh, First off, someone gave me this tip. And, um, oh, well, they gave my mother this tip. Remember I shared the story with my mom. She went to uh, the Philippines and went to that remote island. And the problem was when they first went to that island, many of the Muslims asked them, what religion are you? My mom and her friends, of course, said they are Christian. Mistake number one, don't say that you're Christian to a Muslim. Here's something better. Say that you're Seventh-day Adventist. You know what they're going to ask once you say that? What's that? And that's what you want. 
So someone says, I'm Seventh-day Adventist, I meet a Muslim, and they say, oh, so what religion are you? I'm a Seventh-day Adventist. What is that? And you say, well, I don't eat pork, I don't drink alcohol, I believe in a literal judgment day, I believe in prophets, I believe in the second coming, I believe women should dress modestly. Guess what they're going to say? You're a Muslim. Good to meet you. And if you practice all these things, they're going to say, you're a better Muslim than I am. That's, that's literally the things that they say. Those are the things they've told my mom. So my mom and her friends, they created these barriers with many Muslims because of ignorance. They didn't know that the word Christianity invokes the images that we saw. If you're Christian, you must wear skimpy clothes, and you, if you're a man, you, you watch Playboy, and you drink alcohol, and you go out and kill people, and you, you, you worship the Pope. That's what they believe. But if you tell them, no, I'm, I'm not Christian, you're not lying. What you're doing is, what you're, doing is you're, you're telling them, I don't fit the standard that you have in your mind, that cultural bias. I'm a Seventh-day Adventist. And we have so many things in common. We don't eat pork. We don't drink alcohol. We believe in a literal judgment day. Strong emphasis in the Old Testament. Strong belief in prophets. We believe in the second coming. And hopefully this will open the door where you can share with them. Now what I did is I printed out something for you. So if you can grab that now. I'm going to share with you how you can use the Quran. How you can use the Quran to witness to them. It's a sheet just like this. And if you don't have that sheet, I can give it to you. Um, I can give you the file. And um, again, I can also give you this presentation as well. And again, Sam Bonella has great resources. And he emailed me and said, if you guys want whatever he has, he's more than willing to share it. It's just sitting in storage right now, so he'd be happy to give it to you guys. So here's a summary of how you can use the Quran. First off, understand that the Quran is very different from the Bible. You don't just flip through the Quran the same way that you flip through the Bible. If you just are flipping through it, um, you would almost, they would almost invoke, well, what are you doing? That's not how you use the Quran. For them, you just read it, right? So when you flip through the Bible, that's very new to them. And by the way, they treat the Quran with utmost reverence. So you be very careful how you handle it. You don't just nonchalantly just leave it. You don't lay stuff on it, you don't drop it, none of those things. So let me share with you a couple of interesting passages in the Quran that will help a Muslim think. Number one, um, I went online, you can go to Quran.com, and I did screenshots of these passages so you can follow along. And the nice thing about Quran.com is it has it in Arabic, and then it has the English translation. So this is a very fascinating, um, very fascinating passage it's Surah 10.94. And this one says this. So if you are in doubt, O Muhammad, about which we have revealed to you, then ask those who have been reading the what? Scriptures. Now what we need to do is we need to validate the scriptures. If we can get a Muslim to, to, to put scriptures on the same level as the Quran we can now have a Bible study with them. We can show them the scriptures. But in a Muslim's mind, yes, the Old Testament is inspired. Yes, I believe the Old Testament, they'll say, but they believe that it's corrupted. 
So if you can use the Quran to show them that the Old Testament is not corrupted, that will help you. So here's what it says. So if you are in doubt, O Muhammad, about that which we have revealed to you, then ask those have been reading the what? Scriptures before you. So what is Allah telling Muhammad? Read the scriptures. The truth has certainly come to you from your Lord, so never be among the doubters. Now remember, many of them memorize the Quran, but they've memorized it in a song. So many of them don't know the meaning of each phrase or each passage. And so if you point out something here and say, hey, look, Allah told Muhammad specifically to trust in the scriptures and don't be a doubter. You don't want to be a doubter, right? You want to, you want to follow the scriptures. Here's another passage. This is found in Surah 4, 136. Surah means chapter, so chapter 4, 136. This one is another good passage. It says, we then use, um, excuse me, it says, Oh, you who have believed, believe in Allah and his messenger and the book that he sent down upon his messenger and the scriptures which he sent down before. And whoever disbelieves in Allah, his angels, his books, his messengers, and the last day has certainly gone far astray. What does that mean when it says books? Book, excuse me. The Bible, the scriptures, specifically the Old Testament. And then finally, oh no, I have two more. This one is another good one. This is found in Surah 6, 115. And this is one is also in your handout. It says, And the word of your Lord has been fulfilled in truth and in justice. None can what? That's key. None can alter his words, and he is the hearing, the knowing. Why is this important? Talking about the scriptures, and it's saying it cannot be, or change, right? Or none can alter it. So how is the Old Testament corrupted, or how is the scriptures corrupted if no one can alter it? And then the last one is about Jesus, and this one is found in Surah 3, 45 and 46. Surah chapter 3 is about Jesus, and in uh, for a Muslim, they believe that Jesus is a prophet as well. So Muhammad's a prophet, Jesus is a prophet. They refer to Jesus as Isa. Okay, Isa. Notice what it says. So we're going to turn our focus on to uh, Jesus now. And this is in chapter 345. It says, When the angel said, O Mary, indeed Allah gives you good tidings, a, wor- a word from him whose name will be the Messiah, Jesus, the son of Mary, distinguished in this world and the hereafter and among those brought, brought near. So I let them know that Jesus and Issa, the prophet, he's distinguished. He's a different kind of prophet. How is he different? If you go on to verse 55, it says, When Allah said, O Jesus, indeed I will take you and raise you to myself. Jesus is the superior prophet. Why? God himself, Allah himself, has raised him up. So if you talk to a Muslim who is uh, open-minded, you don't want to do this to the ones who are more traditional. 
If you have one who is searching and more open-minded, these are some good scriptures to, for them because you say, hey, look, who do you think would be the superior prophet? The one who's dead currently or the one who died but resurrected? What would you say? The one who's died and resurrected, right? And you let them know specifically from the Quran, you can show them that Jesus was resurrected according to Surah chapter 3, verse 55. So hopefully these have been helpful for you. Gives you some tools regarding their literature, regarding the Quran. Um, what I want to do now in the next few minutes that I have before I have to uh, go up is I want to bring up my good friend, Giselle. So, Giselle, would you come up? And I want to share with you some ways that you could witness to them. We're able to get the canvassing bag. All right, great. There's a few books that are helpful for them. You can talk to them about the great controversy. You can talk to them about the desire of ages. You can talk to them about steps to Christ. And if you have final events, that's another good one as well. Final events uh, by Doug Batcher, that's a great one. I'm just going to pretend this is a final events right here. And there's a number of ways that you can canvas them. Now, traditionally... This is what has happened when you've reached a Muslim door. So if I am a normal canvasser and I haven't had any training at all, this is what it's going to look like. So I'm here going to canvas Giselle. She happens to be a Muslim, and she's in the normal uh, regalia of a Muslim. So just let's remember that. Okay. Yes. Hello. Yeah. Hi, my name is Michael. I'm a student working on a scholarship. Just want to show you real quick, this is great controversy, follows the path of freedom, shows how men stood up for freedom, and shows how you can understand Bible prophecy in light of today's headlines. Bible prophecy? Yeah, are Bible you, prophecy. Are you a Christian? Uh, yeah, I'm a Christian. Yeah, we're Christian. We work okay, with the I'm Bible sorry. Story Company. I'm a Muslim. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Man, I really wanted to reach her. That's usually what happens. If you don't know how to reach Muslims, if you say the word Christian, that door is going to get slammed, okay? Now, if you say a few things that are different, by the way, if you see, obviously, that they're Muslim, then you can make friends uh, in a very different way. Muslims, you can usually distinguish by their dress. So let's try this again. Speak a little louder. Okay. Hi. Hi, my name is Michael, and I'm a student working Hi, on Michael. a scholarship. And this right here is great controversy. Okay. You're going to like this one. shows how you can have... Oh, the global war and freedom. Yeah, it okay. helps you to understand um, prophecy as well. Prophecy? Mm -hmm. Okay, what yeah. kind of prophecy? Well, it talks about the judgment day of God. I don't know if it's something that uh, you... I definitely believe in a judgment day. I happen to be Muslim. Oh, great. Yeah, I regard the prophecies very much. I, I'm Seventh-day Adventist. What's that? Oh, Seventh-day Adventists, we believe in modesty, we don't drink alcohol, we don't eat pork, we believe in the Judgment Day, we believe in prophets. I didn't even know there was a religion like that in America. Yeah, yeah, we don't even <laughs> worship on Sunday. 
Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. do you have a Sabbath that you keep? Yeah, we, we do. We actually oh. worship on, I believe Muslims, you worship on Friday. Is that yes, right? we do. Yeah. We do. Not yeah. the typical Sunday, like yeah. most we, we start our worship on Friday night. Okay, what else do you have? Oh, let me show you this one right here. Now you see how I made friends really easily. Now watch this. I put up a couple of canvases to show you. If I share with her the steps to Christ, mm -hmm. and I say that this, this has examples from Issa, from the life of Issa that help us as believers get victory in the jihad against self. You see how I use their words? The jihad against self. What are they all trying to fight? The jihad, right? So I let them know that this helps them, has examples from Issa, and this will help them uh, with a, have victory with the jihad against self. Another good one is the Great Controversy. This is a, a canvas that you can use. It helps us prepare for the upcoming judgment day that only Allah knows about, using key phrases that, that they have. Um, the Desire of Ages one, this one's really good as well. You can let them know that this helps them to understand the prophet Issa. This will help them to know more about Issa. So guess what? If you meet a Muslim today, we're going canvassing in just a little bit, you can use some of these tips because we're, we're canvassing the desire of ages. And you can share with them and say, hey, look, this right here, the, the desire of ages, will help you to learn more about the prophet Issa. Uh, an another final one is if you have the final events or some DVD that talks about the end, the, uh, end times. You can let them know that this talks about Allah's second coming and the final judgment. Those are key phrases that they all believe in. All right, do I have any questions about Muslims? No? All right. Do we pray at least five times a day? Yeah, that's a good one. My good friend Camille asked, do we pray five times a day facing, where do we face? Loma Linda? <laughs> okay, hopefully we all pray at least five times a day, and hopefully we, um, hopefully we have the same dedication that, that, that Muslims have. They're real dedicated people. They're very sincere as well and faithful. And I hope and pray that we learn something from our friends, the Muslims. And I believe that there are going to be many of them who are going to be saved in heaven. Amen? I believe that God has a special plan for them as well. Um, just a few more notes. Those of you who have the Good News TV bookmark, please remember to get that staple or cut or hole punctured. I don't know what you're doing. So that at the end, you can receive your canvassing bag. And you can receive a starter set, set on how to canvas, and it's all given to us. The books are given to us by the Arizona Conference. And I want to invite Jason Carlson up the last few minutes that we have, and he's going to share with you how you This message was recorded at the GYC 2014 Conference at The Cross in Phoenix, Arizona. GYC, a supporting ministry of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, seeks to inspire young people to be Bible-based, Christ-centered and soul-winning Christians. To download or purchase other resources like this, visit us online at www.gycweb.org.